Hello, welcome to PRBC Worcester podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. We pray that in your time spent with us, you will be blessed and edified even as we grow in faith. Please enjoy and may the Spirit of God illuminate your hearts. Being equipped with the gospel of our salvation to possess nations. That's the topic or the theme of this 2022 Internal Machines Week. So we are talking about our salvation. Reason why I'm singing this song. Knowing that our salvation was won for us. It's a package that has been won for us. We did nothing to attain the salvation that we have. John chapter 1 verse 12 says, Yet to all who believed in his name or who received him, he gave the right to become children of God. We did nothing to attain the salvation. And it's God's plan to provide eternity to all, everybody. Reading from 1 Timothy chapter 2 verse 4. If you could put that on the screen for me, 1 Timothy 2 4. When Paul was admonishing Timothy to pray for the church or pray for uh, people in authority, the kings and people in authority, this is what he says. If you could start from three, please. This is good and pleasing and pleases God, our Savior, for who wants all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. This is salvation. God's heartbeat. He wants everybody everybody in this world to be saved in fact jesus christ said if he is lifted from this earth as he has been he will draw all men to himself who draw all men to himself and usually i say to myself all the time that we will appreciate the salvation that we have right now if we look into what the old testament trying to have a right standing with god entails or required from us because salvation is being in a right standing with Christ. That instantaneous justification that we get when we, we profess Jesus Christ and receive him with our hearts. We are justified instantly and we are made right with Christ. Sometimes we don't really regard the salvation that we have. Well, most of us may have been born in the church, so we are just growing up with our parents and we think that. We have come to know about this Jesus Christ, and that's all. I dare to say that, but I, I strongly believe there, there may be or there will be a lot of unconverted Christians in every church. And that's very true. Well, most of us, we just fell into it. In the Old Testament, which the law that came through Moses... To set the people apart. Because it wasn't only the Israelites who were on the earth. The surface of the earth. There were other people who were doing wicked things. So God will give them the law. To set them apart from the other people. There are certain times that God will give them the laws. And then will tell them that. Refrain from this. Because this is the wickedness of the other people. Who do not know me. So the law was even contingent or it was dependent on the sins of other people. So that the people of God will be set apart and will be in right standing with God. That's what religion is. 
just us trying to know God, trying to chase God. Thanks be to Christ that he has come to show us who God is. No one can know God other than revelation. That's why there is general revelation and there is specific revelation like how Jesus Christ has come to reveal God to us. So all the chasing that every other religion is doing to know God, to see him, because they are afraid of him, because they know that the wrath of God will come one day. And to be in the right standing with God. For us, we have been privileged. The glory of God has descended. And he came to dwell amongst men. And now it is living in us. So the law was given to us. And I know the past two months or three months, we've learned a lot about the law. It is just to lay emphasis on the grace and mercies that we have attained. No, we are not going back to the law. Because we could not fulfill the law. How could we have fulfilled the law? To break one law is to break all the laws. That's why I'm saying it's a package. You either take the salvation from grace as one package, or you take the law as one package. You can't stand here and stand here. It's a package. So Christ came to give us salvation through grace. The law was only a caretaker, as Paul told the Galatians. It was only taking care of us or guiding us until... We attain maturity and then we will attain salvation through faith. God pre-planned this. The omniscient God, he pre-planned a time as this. You and I will be partakers of the kingdom of God and will be co-heirs of his kingdom. Isn't that beautiful? There's a, uh, my Sunday school teacher, anytime he was preaching, just like I said, isn't this beautiful? In tree he would say, Ah, nyamisem oye papa. Meaning, the word of God is so sweet. Isn't it sweet? And then we'll respond, it is sweet. Amen. So, um, in the past days, I was reading the account of the woman with the discharge, bleeding. How many of us remember that story? He touched Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ said, somebody has touched me. Somebody has touched me. Back in the days, in the Bible days, women were second-class people. And this is not me saying and trying to be biased. I'm sorry, the ladies. But that is how it was. That's one. Secondly, if you are bleeding or you have a discharge, you can never be in right standing with God. You are not even supposed to come close to people. When you have the chance, read Leviticus chapter 15 talks about discharge even the monthly natural flow of women the law says you are unclean for seven days and even when you are declared clean you have to count seven days from that's the day that you were declared clean and on the eighth day you sacrifice a burnt offering and a sin offering what's the meaning of a sin offering if it's not meant to atone for your sins Believe me, in those days, trying to have right standing with God, you had to work for it. And there could be a time, in a full month, I believe, even a priest will not be in a right standing with God. Because when you sin, or you touch somebody, let's say a man, let's, let me not talk about uh, uh, the woman, let's say a man who has a discharge, like a boil, and, there, uh, and there's a discharge for maybe 30 days, and he comes in contact with even the priest who does your atonement for you. That priest has... It's unclean for the whole day. 
till the evening. So if the priest can even make an atonement, it's the next day where the Lord declares him clean. And God will warn them and tell them, make sure nobody dies in their uncleanness. So if you were now, and we are living in that uncleanness, and if, I, I was thinking about the ladies, until you hit menopause. And in that period, and the trumpet sounds, where would you go? Let us say, thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. So that is the salvation that we are talking about. So when the Bible talks about freedom, God has, Christ has given us liberation. This is what we are talking about. Because we could, you, you, you break all the laws. And that's, that's the package. Which one would you choose? Would you stand with Christ or you want to stand in the law? <laughs> and you can't do both. So when we are talking about our deliverance and salvation, this is our salvation. And it comes to our calling. We have been called to live righteously. Because the righteousness has been attained for us, we have been called to live, in, live that righteous life. A sinner cannot live a righteous life that's a mismatch. How can a sinner live righteously? No. How can a, a, a common person live the king's life? Take for instance, Elder Sam and I are very close friends, but he is the king of Worcester. And I'm his closest friend. I can only live as close as who his friend is supposed to be, but I can't live the life that he lives because he's royalty. That's why he can live like a king. Or you can live the king's life. So you can see the differentiation when we go maybe to an event. And his protection is great. And I'm just at the back because he is my friend. They, they don't guard me like they guard him. They don't protect him like they protect him. You can, we can never stay in sin and live the righteous life. We only have to be righteous to live righteously. That's what the Bible calls the good works. So if you are in sin and you don't have the righteousness of God... You produce dead works. Nothing you do pleases God. Cornelius wouldn't have been visited by Peter. Because he was a good man. But it didn't please God. In our depraved nature, our righteousness is like filthy rats. You can't be a sinner and live righteously. So Christ imputed this righteousness in us. That is our calling. And called us to live righteously let me read the vision 2023 that apostle was talking about i don't know if any of us is familiar with that vision 2023 says we intend to equip the church to transform every sphere of society with values and principles of the kingdom of god guided by our overall goal and strategic objectives it is expected that the implementation of this vision strategy will have positive impact on both the church itself and the society within the next five years and beyond we seek to contribute to a god-fearing society with hard-working and committed citizens a society where there is the display of christ-like behavior how can we do that if we are not righteous so we are talking about our calling right now 
and the demonstration of a high level of integrity. A society with a considerable reduction of social injustice, corruption, crime rates, and other social vices. A society where members are law-abiding citizens and there is a reasonable reduction of wayward and deviant characters. What do we see right now? Righteousness is supposed to possess the Mount of Esau. Listen to the news. A week and two weeks ago, Buffalo and Texas, what's going on? Friday, pastor was talking about it. And there are righteous people living in the land. We are supposed to live that righteous land and be the salt of the earth. This is our calling. And the vision is, is only elaborating living righteously. And this is not to Ghana alone. This is not to America alone. To the entire world, every Christian everywhere. We have been called or selected to live the righteous life. And yes, no sinner can live the righteous life. So this is who we are. So when we come and we, our worship seems righteously here in this room, when we go out there, our lives should also portray who we follow or who we are right now. Children of the kingdom of God. He who has given us his nature and his nature is righteousness. That's our calling. And then from our calling we go to our mandate. We've talked about our salvation, our calling, and then our mandate. Our mandate is the great commission. But to effectively embark on this mission, we ought to have certain boxes checked in-house. It's internal missions week, so we work on ourselves first. Do we understand? The word of God is a two-edged sword. So in all humility, I'll ask all of us to take the word of God so it corrects us, so it doesn't seem like it's criticizing us because sometimes if you you don't take the word of god in humility you would think that the preacher here is speaking from his own intellect and criticizing you let's open our hearts to the word of god correct us because it can it can it can seem like it's it's criticisms that's what it does to the sinner and they don't repent amen so we ought to love we ought to love as christ loved we have to exhibit that Christ-like love. John chapter 13, verse 34 to 35. God gives, Christ gives us that commandment. If you can put it up there. Uh, John 13, 34 to 35. A new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. When Christ was going, this is like the last but one commandment that we record before the great commission. We have to love one another, just as he has loved us. I want us to read from the verse 1 of this chapter 13 to um, 17, briefly, just so we see what Christ, how we can love one another in-house, so we can prepare ourselves, or equip ourselves, just as we are equipping ourselves to go and get, um, bring the lost. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. True love is to the end. True love is undying. The evening meal was in progress and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up the meal. 
took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that he had wrapped him, that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Me, a fisherman? That, that's when I added it there. Jesus replied, You do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, Unless I wash your feet, you have no part with me. Then, Lord, Simon replied, Not just my feet, but my hands, my head as well. Now he wants to bath. <laughs> Jesus answered, Those who have had a bath need only wash their feet. Let's, take, let's be, take this one critically. Those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you, not every one of you, for he knew who was going to betray him, and that was why he said, not everyone is clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I, what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. 17. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. What is Jesus trying to say? He always takes the symbols into spirituality. So it wasn't um, exactly washing of feet was he talking about. Jesus was talking about Forgiveness. Forgiveness. That is how to love. Forgiveness. He was showing them how to forgive one another. And he said that you call me master, you call me teacher, and you see me go down to wash your feet. I set an example for you. Do the same. So we can never do something that our master hasn't done. And he said that a servant is not greater than his master. We can't say, we can't think too much of ourselves. Not to forgive one another. We are in this world. Yes, we have been bathed. Being bathed means that you have been forgiven of all your sins. But Jesus Christ says that as we walk in this world, we will sin against him. And he has said that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of all unrighteousness. And that is what we have to do to one another. We have to forgive one another. If he is forgiving us, of all our sins, we ought to forgive one another. If we call him master, and we are, we are followers of the master, and he is doing that, we have to do, our feet are going to get dirty. Because we live in a dusty world. We will step on each other's foot. We will sin against, I mean, we will hurt each other. We will say something that is hurtful to each other. Hearts will be broken. But at the end of the day, we are doing an in-house check right now. To go out there, for the people to see that we are children of God, we have to exhibit love to one another. Christ says that is how they will know that you are my disciples. 
What is our word if we don't love ourselves even in-house here? If we can't contain ourselves, what are we going to tell the people out there? What are we going to say? What are we going to say? I put here that Christ-like love is selfless and and a servant love. Not thinking too highly of ourselves and mutually submitting to one another. No servant is greater than his master means that in the most unambiguous way expressed to us humility and serving. We cannot look at our Lord and Master Jesus, serve us and say we are too good, we are too valuable, we are too important to do the same. We have to do what our Master did. Secondly, Christ-like love is unending, just as he said in verse 1. True love never dies. Romans chapter 8, what can separate us from the love of God? God is saying that neither death, neither life, neither poverty, neither famine, nothing can separate us from the love that he has for us. Why are we separated? Why are we disjointed? True love is unending. The Bible says that he loved them to the end. Let's love ourselves to the end. And when we hurt ourselves, let us be quick to forgive ourselves so that forgiveness doesn't, unforgiveness doesn't cause us disease, diseases. Because it's a disease in itself. Christ-like love is forgiving. And we have talked about that already. So, other things that I put here is bearing each other's burden. What can we do? Galatians 6, 1, 2 says, We have to bear each other's burden. Those who are strong, help those who are weak. Secondly, of my fifth point here, let us strive to stay united. Because a divided church has no message for the divided world. Our reconciliation with God and one another is so important to God. Therefore, it is incumbent on us to live in unity, breaking all cultural barriers. We have come to Christ. Our culture is Christ. This is the church, the body of Christ. The body of Christ is not divided into cultures, nationalities, races, and colors. A lot of churches that fall down. This is one of their weaknesses. Let us break all cultural barriers and stay united. So when we go out there, we have a message to unite or reconcile the world to God. Our mission and message has no meaning if we live in disunity, denying the power of the cross, because the, the cross came to bring, uh, brought us together. Let us make every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit and in the bond of peace for the sake of our common witness and mission. Let us resist the temptation to split the body of Christ and strive to restore unity however possible. Finally, I want us to read Proverbs chapter 21, verse 28. Proverbs 21:28. It says, A false witness will perish, but a careful listener will testify successfully. A false witness will perish, but a careful listener will testify successfully. Yesterday, how many of us were there? And we heard Apostle define what a successful witnessing is. He said a successful witnessing is taking the initiative to witness to somebody. Don't think of, oh, I didn't win him, so... No, just take the initiative. And that's a successful witnessing. A false witness will perish, but a careful listener will testify successfully. No one comes to Christianity or Christ without listening or hearing. You hear the word, and then the Holy Spirit convicts you. That is how everybody comes to Christ. So, 
since we cannot give what we do not have, we must ensure that we hold on to what is real. And what is this real thing that we are talking about? The basic need for the church to evangelize. And it is to know Christ. This basic is to know Christ and have a relationship with Him so we can properly introduce Him to others. Because if we don't have any relationship with Christ, if we don't, we don't know Him, if we only come to church as a ritual, how will we know Christ to introduce Him to another person? We ought to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Because if we do not know Him, we and cause the world to think that we do know him, that is false witnessing. And false witness will perish. That is why I said before, that our attitude and worship over here shouldn't be different from how we are in the world. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 to 23, talks about how people in the end time, people say, oh Lord, Lord, we prayed in your name, we prophesied in your name, we preached in your name. And God will say, go thee behind me, you workers of iniquity. This is people who may have been in the church because if they are saying, Lord, Lord, it means they know God. But God is saying that, go ye behind me, you workers of iniquity. Let us not be in a rush to perform for God. We are in a rush to want to preach to God. We are in a rush to want to be called to sing to God. We are in a rush to want to be called to leadership positions. But we don't want to live for Him. No, that's false witnessing. God says that is false witness and false witnesses will what? Perish. And that's what Matthew 27, 21, uh, Matthew 7, 21 to 23 is saying. Go ye behind me. Go ye behind me, you workers of iniquity. But these people were workers of the church. They were doing work in the church. They were praying, prophesying. They were praying, Lord, Lord. And we cast out demons in your name. Yes. Other magical powers can do that. And they can blind us. And we wouldn't even want to fellowship with the people of God. We will stay in our comfort zones and think that we are, we, are, we are receiving the power from God. But it wouldn't be. God says, you cast them. They are workers of iniquity. May it not be said about that uh, of us. Bearing false witness, Jesus called that iniquity and let us not be in a rush to perform for him. However, we have to want to live for him. Let us pray. That God will give us that compassion. Finally, I'm concluding. I've concluded. Compassion to win souls for Him. That is what's needful. Let us have that compassion, just as He did for the city of Nineveh. And when we have people come here, let us take our time to all disciple them, because that's the end goal. Because if we don't disciple them and they go out and they get lost, it's so hard to bring them in again. The story of Jonah speaks a lot to teach us Christians right now. Why am I saying that? In some years after Jonah had gone to tell them, when the last time when we learned, we said that he spoke only eight words, and the whole city repented. And when they repented, because there were no discipleship, in about a hundred years later, Assyria, which is the nation and its capital, Nineveh, they went to conquer Samaria, Israel, the northern part of Israel. Wow, these people had listened to the word of God and they had repented. They had repented, but nobody discipled them. So, when the nation Israel went into captivity, they took all of them, their wives, their kids, all of them, the kings, killed their, their soldiers, 
It was a nation that had heard the word of God. Children of God. This is what God had put, has put on my, my heart to, to, to say to the church today. Let us have compassion to win souls. Because that is the will of God. The purpose of God is that none shall perish. And he is employing you and I to reconcile the world to him. And I know that you will do that to glorify his holy name. May God bless us today. Amen. Thank you once again for joining us. We pray you were blessed. Please don't forget to click on the other episodes to continue in your journey with us. Don't forget to also share and follow this podcast. May the good Lord bless you.